Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Toddcast, The Teacher Podcast, an informative podcast that explores a variety of teaching and educational experiences while still offering insights into improving and upskilling teachers. Join your host, Todd Broadbent, as he explores the wide and varied lives of educators from every sector, exploring fundamental concepts that are pivotal to good teaching, while also discussing the lighter side of the educational sector. Welcome to the Toddcast, the teacher podcast. For the 47th episode of the Toddcast, the teacher podcast, I had the wonderful opportunity of interviewing Mitch Layton. Mitch is into his fifth year of teaching and is currently teaching a grade 5-6 class. Throughout Mitch's career, he's either taught in the grade 3, 4 or 5-6 area. Mitch is an extremely passionate teacher who loves to learn and develop and continue to improve his teaching. Mitch also has an Instagram page called Mr. Layton's Little Learners where he shares his teaching journey. Throughout this episode, Mitch will be sharing his educational journey, the reasons why he decided to become a teacher, the greatest challenge and proudest moment as a teacher, teaching tips for the upper primary area, Canva education, his Instagram page, resources, books, online tools that are a must in the upper primary area, being a teacher during the day and yoga instructor at night, the importance of having something outside of school to assist your well-being, goals for the future and so much more. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Mitch. Welcome to the Toddcast, the teacher podcast. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Todd. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's wonderful to have a chat. I know we've been chatting on Instagram for a a couple of years now, so it's uh, wonderful to finally get you onto the podcast today. Yeah, it's good. Good to see like different versions. I guess obviously I'm in upper and you're in primary, so it's always interesting to see what other year levels are doing. But no, thank you for having me on. No, I can't wait to have a chat. So before we get underway, have you had a highlight of the day today? I think for me, the way I took, I can think about this question is, so at the moment, obviously there's a massive shortage. So I went to a three, four class for an hour today. And it's just so interesting to see, like when you're so focused on five, six, and then you just take it down to three, four, you just forget how that age range is actually so different. And so that was a bit of like a highlight surprise. But I think the highlight of the day for me is we just had reading in the library just for the last hour we had visited the library and I just saw all the book week books um, displayed on our shelves so I just asked the kids to vote one two three out of three texts that we enjoyed based on the front cover and then chose the parent shrinking that's one of the selected shortlisted books and then at the end the kids started clapping so um, it was just a really sort of wholesome just we always forget just to read for fun um, we were so focused on like, what do we want out of this text? It's like a mentor text, but it's just, yeah, really enjoyable just to sit there, read a book and just have them just silent and sort of in awe of what was going to happen next in this text. So it definitely wasn't the correct title as something along those lines, but yeah, definitely one of the books you should definitely read with your class if you're in the upper year levels. It's about immigration. Yeah, beautiful. We've got all our book week books out as well recently, and the kids have uh, been getting around and we're using a couple this week as mentor texts as well. So now, awesome. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. During book week, we'll have one of the days all the teachers roam to different classes and we select a text and read it to the different year levels. So I've selected Frank's Red Hat and we're going to do some sort of crafty activity there with them. So that should be nice and fun. I'm excited for that. Book week is always a good vibe. Yeah, no, I love that. That's beautiful. And then going back to when you're a student, what were you like? 
I like to think of myself as like, I was a very easy student having class. Like I just sat there, took everything, worked hard and just head down, submitted my work. I was just like that cliche, just like silent kid. who just like went through school the whole time. Not necessarily the best now reflecting back. I wish I asked more questions. I wish I was more sort of um, interactive when we're working outside in the yard. We'd always have like a ball playing soccer or down ball tournaments, tiggy. Um, so it's still good to see that, that still happens. Like even though years later, like that is still the life of recess and lunchtime. But yeah, in the classroom, I was just so cruisy. And I just see some kids now that are in my class who replicate the same behavior. I'm so focused on them talking because I just wish I did the same when I was younger. So yeah, no, I love that honesty. And then do you have a favorite moment from school? The only thing I can really think of I, as I say, like, it just felt like a blur all of like high school and primary school. Like when I think about it, I can, I can always reel off all my teachers, but there was never like really one sort of moment. But the thing I remembered is when I was in primary school, we did um, jump rope for heart, which I don't know if it's still a thing, but so me and my mates were part of the, like, the skipping team and then we'd go to like MSAC for the day and perform our routines. When I heard that question, I was like, that's just the most randomest memory I've had of me in primary school. But like the first one that came to my head, I was like, oh, well, there you go. I guess, yeah, that must be a favorite moment if it came back to me so quickly. Yeah, that's cool. I remember doing doing the same kind of thing, but we didn't go to all the competitions and stuff. But I remember doing it at school like every year. I actually don't even know it's still a thing now. Yeah, I, well, that's what I don't know either because we know at school we have like a skipping competition but I haven't heard saying jump over hearts, t-shirts and whatnot. But I think the other thing that I saw is like, I saw one of my skipping ropes in the house, you know, covered on the weekend as well. I'm like, this is just weird timing. And then just pull it out for like a minute or so. But it's such good fitness as well to be able to skip. Like after that, I was like, oh, I should definitely add this into my workout routine because it just, yeah, that cardio that you can get from it is really, really fun. Yeah, love that. And then can you now tell me about yourself, your teaching journey, and now what you're currently doing, Mitch? Absolutely. So I'm currently in primary school setting in Melbourne's northwest uh, region. I'm teaching year five, six. This will be my fifth year teaching. I've had uh, five, six now for three years, and then I had three, four for two years in between all of that. I was at one school for two years, tried a new school out for a year, and then came back to my original school where I am now. So I experienced sort of what other schools were out there, um, which I definitely recommend everyone to do. It's always an eye opener and you just get to grow and learn so much when you see how other schools operate, because I always had this conversation with non-teachers and they're like, well, don't all schools do the same. Like you're all doing the same programs, like aren't you all doing the same activities, but like each school is just so unique in their own way. And I think that's just what makes, I guess, the school you're at, good school or the right fit for you. So that's, yeah, I guess my sort of teaching experience for me. I just, yeah, went through primary school, high school, straight into um, uni. While I was at uni, had a part-time job at Hoyts. So I learned some um, cool sort of managerial skills there. And then it's funny when I left Hoyts, I haven't visited the cinemas in like years um, but I've been, yeah, recently with all this new hype around Oppenheimer and Barbie. So going to those trains and tried to see if they were lived up to the hype. But I guess the more I've been in the classroom, the more I've enjoyed learning again. So 
I think it's definitely a profession where you have to have a love for learning. I'm just glad that I do still have that. And every year that I'm sort of teaching, I want to take in more or I'm like that was garbage last year. I need to get rid of that and try something else. And then when you see something else work, you're like, oh, sweet ass. Like that, that's why I sort of I'm in this. So yeah, I guess for me, I really enjoy that whole process of learning and continually just reflecting on my practice. Yeah, beautiful. And I think it's great, as you said, that you've been able to experience some different schools and, and you are right. I've got plenty of mates that are teachers and it does fascinate me that how every school does everything differently and even has different recess lunches, like different times. They do some different specialist programs. Like it is fascinating that, yeah, everyone probably thinks outside of education that that's all the same, but yeah, every school is 100% different. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't even know, like, I guess why it is, but I think because we all have our different works and positives that are brought to a school, but also obviously our disadvantages that we have to focus on. So I think that, again, brings a whole new element of what schools, I guess, have to really work on to improve um, their results. So it's good and bad in the same breath. Yeah, absolutely. And then what was the reason you decided that you wanted to be a teacher? No one in my family is ever even thought of being a teacher I'm like sort of I guess the black sheep in a uh, in that way there no one sort of had an interest I think one of my cousins she's currently studying early childhood so maybe I was sort of the catalyst for change in our family but for me I've always loved helping others but I know I couldn't be in the medical field because I get the absolute were sort of like white face I'm so bad with all that so I'm like oh, if I can't if I can't help people in that way I'll help people learn so I think for me I've always enjoyed that process and I remember when I had work experience in year 10 I went back to my primary school so I think I was just really lucky ever since just going through school I, I knew I wanted to yeah go into that field of helping others and if it wasn't teaching, I probably would go into like sports science and help people with like obviously um, either injuries or remedial massage. I'd go down that um, exercise or sports element, but I'm sort of glad I found myself in the teaching. And who knows, one day it'll be easy to sort of go do a sort of a master's in that. It wouldn't shouldn't take too long. I'm having obviously health and PE background during uni as well. So that's obviously another pathway I could choose to go down if I want. But yeah, helping people along the way. And I get to do that with students, obviously during nine to five and then five to nine during the week as well. I get to help adults with their fitness as I get to teach yoga and Pilates sort of on the side as well. So I get, yeah, always get to help people, which I guess is why I fell into teaching. Yeah, and no, I love that. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit later about the stuff you do outside of school as well. So looking forward to chatting about that. But yeah, I think you're, you're a busy man of multiple skills and talents there. So I don't know how you fit it all in, which is pretty impressive. So no, good on you for that. Oh, I think the same about every other teacher. I think there's a certain like blood type that doesn't exist that are just a teacher blood type. And we are just so efficient and such busy people that we just squeeze everything in but are just so efficient at the same time. So we all sort of have this sort of blood time, I'd like to think. Um, I think the same about you, how you could smash out all these podcasts after a long day, squeezing everything in, all content creators out there as well. So kudos to all the teachers that work tirelessly after their nine to five and their five to nines. Yeah, absolutely. And then did you have a teacher throughout your schooling that inspired you at all? 
I can always think of my prep teacher. I don't know if it's always because it's your first year of primary school. So hopefully in 15 years time, all your little uh, kiddies will say the exact same thing. But it's just something about, yeah, my prep teacher that I'd always sort of remember school with and then you go through. But I think during secondary school, I did dance as an like, elective. Um, and just my dance teacher, she was just elite. Like she just built like the best rapport with us. And I think it was lucky for her because it was a subject, like it was very practical sort of subject. But I guess she influenced me in a way where I wanted to then be a teacher because I saw the relationships that she built with us and she treated us like adults, but also still had that boundary. So I think we knew where we lied with her and she sort of knew where we where she lied with us. And it was just, yeah, it was always such a fun time, every single class. Um, I just remember heaps of laughter. So I guess, yeah, um, shout out to Miss Morilaro. If she's listening, uh, she was, yeah, always the best. Yeah, that's awesome. And then do you feel like you've modelled yourself as a teacher based on the people that have inspired you there? Yeah, I'd like to think so. Going back to my prep teacher, Miss Dawes, she, I always remember this one thing. She, one session, she wrote on the whiteboard, full with permanent marker, like we've all done before. So every single time I do that, I just think of her straight away. So that's one reason why she is sort of, I guess, influenced my teaching. I'm like, every time I pick up a marker, I always look at it first. And then I guess for high school, yeah, the way that Miss Morilara sort of, I guess, influenced me is that I know that positive feeling that can be created in somebody and it made you want to like learn more and just respect them and just sort of listen and take in what they're saying. So you just, I try and be that sort of person to my kids as well. I think it's such an easy way to one, have great classroom management but to also get to know I guess it's lucky in five six because I see them as young adults they're still quite babyish which is funny in two senses but just seeing them as yeah young people and treating them like the way that they should be treated they absolutely value that so yeah I guess that's how yeah they've influenced me yeah no I couldn't agree more with what you're saying there about treating them like young adults like even though I teach prep I try and treat them actually as young adults and actually don't just try and dumb it down for because just because they're five years old they still love those high expectations and want to achieve really great things so I totally agree with what you're saying about treating them like young adults yeah it's it's so true like uh, I always hear some teachers like so baffled by um sort of the behavior of year five sixes like, because they look so much bigger than they are. Like, you expect it from preps, but not so much five sixes. But they're just, they are just little kids in a big body. Like, they would love a picture storybook read to them. No matter what they say, they love it. They also just love that, yeah, clear expectations and routines. They love to get to know you as a person. So it's, a lot of, I feel like teachers are scared to teach you five, six because they are <laughs> that bigger sort of personalities. But I think that's what makes it more exciting. And you get to feed off each other in a way, banter with them in a really positive way. Yeah, I love that. And then what has been your greatest challenge as a teacher so far? I think being comfortable that you don't know everything in teaching. Teaching is constantly evolving. And as we know, the whole science around how reading, writing and maths and learning should be taught at the moment. So I guess be open to learning and be critical of yourself and then just keep your expectations high 
for yourself, students, and I guess colleagues, so everyone can succeed. And I know that can sound, I guess, very broad and it can be very tiring, but I think those sort of positives at the end will outweigh sort of the negatives and I guess that sort of hardship that goes along the way and you'll feel that intrinsic motivation to keep on doing better every time. So I guess, yeah, there's always going to be a challenging student or there's always going to be a challenging behaviour. You sort of got to try different ways or different a challenging sort of learning difficulty where you have to provide multi-sensory approaches. So I guess if you just put that aside, because you're always going to get that, that's just inevitable. Just being comfortable that you don't know everything and just being vulnerable, I guess, as Brene Brown always alludes to, which I guess is a really yeah important life skill, even telling the kids that, like, don't be upset you don't know everything and then giving them an example of where you might have sucked up and then yeah really focusing on let's turn this negative into a positive so what didn't you know at the end of it let's see what you know now and how much better is that going to be for you and I think yeah as you're saying if you're modeling that to your students that's only going to then help them through their learning journey as well oh absolutely like we learn every single day like I'm trying to go down this whole sort of science of reading and this uh, science of maths and learning it I'm absolutely loving it at the moment like the way I guess it should be is really exciting to see and there's so much out there to help you on your journey like there's no way you have to do this alone so yeah it's it's a really exciting time and if you show the kids that yeah I don't know everything like they're gonna love you even more because you're not up there pretending to be someone you're not yeah exactly right and then it had a proudest moment as a teacher so far yeah like as I said like you're always going to have like one or a couple of students that just like absolutely have made your year because you've made the best impact on them and I, I always like to think that you are best shown or your best results are from your lowest performing student so you're always going to have that sort of proud moment but for me I guess it's when students say, oh, they loved this math lesson. And it might've been like the most simplest lesson you ever thought of. Um, what, what I showed recently around, um, we were in a mass um, sort of unit of work at the moment. And we just dragged this lesson out for three lessons. And it was only planned to be one. And it's sort of been that flexible and adaptable in your teaching as we all should be. And I saw the, this, their engagement at the end of it. They're like, oh yeah, mass, mass is kind of fun this week and normally they just like dread it or like get that oh at the they got mass now so to hear them say that I think is always such a proud moment or when you just see that they're they want to be cool and like they don't want to show that they like it but you can see that they're having such fun I think that to me is such a proud moment and yeah when that when they clapped as well at the end of a book I there's just something so inspiring and something like heart filling when they do that I'm like oh they actually understood that sort of message or story in the text that I didn't even expect them to but obviously they connected with it in some shape way or form so I guess those yeah two moments always sort of bring me joy and pride yeah that's wonderful and then as you've been discussing you've taught both grade three four and five six do you have a preference so far yeah I definitely prefer the five sixes I think I don't know maybe being in there an extra year being in there three years compared to two I still get to keep building on my pedagogy and my practice in five, six, 
but I just love how they still go crazy over a picture storybook. And I know sometimes like you introduce it and at the start they're rolling their eyes and they're so disengaged. But then towards the end, their like jaws are on the floor and they just want to know what's happened at the end. And you're like, oh, we're only reading half of it today. You have to come, come tomorrow to see the rest. So there's, there's that where you, you still get to see them, I guess, as I said, young adults. But then they also make you feel very current. Like if you're not up to know with the current trends, they will let you know. And it's so funny. Like they like to call me a boomer, which I am like, guys, I'm actually still in your age bracket. Like that generation, because we got it up the other day. Cause I was just, I was like, nah, I'm going to put an end to it. And I was shocked as well. I'm like, guys, we are in the same gene pool right now. And I was blown away. So yeah. And they, I guess they make you work hard for their love as well, which is sort of a nice intrinsic challenge because they're going through so many changes in themselves. So definitely for me, year five, six, and I guess the curriculum is so interesting as well. Like, because you have such a widespread that you want to teach the five, six curriculum, but you have so many kids accessing at different points, like years eight to as low as year two, potentially. So sort of finding that challenge in yourself, like how can I get every kid successful in this year? and getting them in some sort of entry point as well so I enjoy that sort of challenge and again with like literacy the themes and messages that you can really sort of discover and get them to investigate and explore I guess is really exciting so yeah I'm definitely will say in five six as long as I can but I would be happy to move down lower as well because I'm sure it's going to get very stagnant for me soon. <laughs> yeah, and I think when you said at the very start, like having that opportunity to be in there for three years, I probably feel the same for myself being in prep. Like I feel, I think back to when I started in prep four years ago to where I am now as a teacher, like I've grown and developed a lot more as a teacher. And I feel a bit sorry for the preps four years ago to like how I'm teaching now. And I'm sure in another certain amount of time, I'm going to think the same. So yeah. I do think having that opportunity to teach in the same area for a little bit to develop your confidence and your teaching styles and that kind of thing is really important. So yeah, totally agree with what you're saying about having that consistency uh, instead of being moving around, which is important to move around, but having that consistency a little bit to develop your teaching as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like I would I would be very content to stay another year in five, six, but I think I would be happier to go to another year level just because I know sort of what to expect and what to do now being the third year. I'm like fourth year, I could probably nearly do it with my eyes closed, I feel. Um, so I would yet yeah, accept that challenge of, yeah, moving down to a year level soon. Yeah, no, my next part was, yeah, would you be keen to go down into the lower primary, down where the grade ones, grade twos, preps? Yeah, I think it'd be a very big culture and system shock to me. Like I'm a very sort of sarcastic, I take a very sarcastic approach when I teach. So it'd be really interesting. And I heard preps just laugh at everything you say. So that's going to be a really good ego boost to me because sometimes you don't get laughter. They don't find you funny in the upper year levels. Um, but I've been, so I guess, really invested into seeing how kids actually learn to read and write at such a young age. So I would love to sort of, see that and implement that and I guess you would know better but I feel like you see real growth in the young year levels it's really more tangible and like in your face whereas 
in the upper year levels, it's very sort of hard to see that definitive growth because of what we teach is so complex and you see it in such different forms. So it'd be nice to sort of be like, this was this and this is that like wall, like 10 months apart. So yeah, I'd very much um, take the opportunity to go down in the lower primary year level soon. Yeah, no, you are right. I think back, and I always like to do it with the preps. I always show them at the end of the year, their writing book at the very start of the year. And a lot of the time they're like, no, that's not mine. I didn't do that. That's not my writing. I don't write like that. So it's all, that's always like one of my favourite moments to show them their, their writing book at the very start of the year compared to the end of the year and how much they've grown and developed. And it's actually good for me, as you said, as a teacher to be able to see like how far you've actually been able to get them to progress in that year. And the same as with their numeracy and their maths and every other subject we're doing as well. But you do get to see that massive amount of growth in that year. But as you were talking about before, you've got such a range from like grade two to year eight. So it would be challenging to see the amount of growth throughout the year as well. Yeah, you're so right. It's Yeah, it's very, very hard to see. And you get so caught up sometimes that you can't see it. But you have to know that as long as they're coming every day, they've got a smile on their face. They are learning in some way, shape or form, just in their own unique, wonderful sort of ability. Yeah, absolutely. So, and you've been talking about these as we've been going through, but what are some of your top tips and musts when it comes to teaching in upper primary? I guess as hard as it is, even I don't do it sometimes, just don't take things so personally. Like so much change is going through their body, like especially year sixes, preparing to go into high school, then being at the bottom of the food chain, I guess. So their chemical imbalances are so wild. (laughs) Uh, So one, just don't take them so personally and then don't be afraid to have fun and just be silly with them like they love it deep down and there's so many I guess free and accessible resources to help you and support you as a teacher so yeah you just have to do a little bit of research to find out where they are and just don't overcomplicate it like just leave it nice and simple that suits you and just hopefully has a big bank of things that you can fall upon when they need a brain break just all right all right let's go to this website quick brain break or as simple as just go outside quick toilet tag quick everyone's it quick fruit salad like those those sort of brain breaks are so essential just for those upper kids because it gives them that time as as you would know in the, the younger levels their attention span is much smaller than the year five sixes but they can still probably only attain 15 minutes if that so yeah, it's really important to embed those brain breaks in a daily in a daily way. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, and we put plenty in as well as you're saying in the prep area as well. And I know the juniors uh, do as well at our school. But like, even if you think for yourself, like oh, I can only sit for a certain amount of time before I need to be doing something. So you can imagine what a twelve-year-old to a five-year-old need break-wise as well. Oh, absolutely. Like I just think about it when I'm in a PD and PL. I was like, remember this time you're sitting here, the kids feel it worse. We did um, uh, Active Classrooms PL the other day through um, the department there releasing um, Active Schools, Active Classrooms. That was such an amazing PL because every second we're up um, doing something, but we're still learning about all the different ways that you can implement an active classroom. So that was such an exciting sort of PL that I took so much from because I was moving and I didn't have to just sit on that cerebellum couch and everything's just becoming a daze. So absolutely get them moving, grooving, as I like to call them. 
Yeah, beautiful. And as you were talking about before, you have heaps of resources and ideas on your Instagram page. Do you enjoy this space? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I love it. As we are mentioning earlier, like it can be very mentally consuming. So if you know you're overworked and overtired nine to five, I wouldn't recommend trying to smash something out or posting something just to sort of have it there on your page because you can interact and learn so much just from being in that space. Um, but it's really important to know when you are okay to enter that space because as great as it can be on, I guess, a professional learning element, it can be sort of very demoralizing for you as well because you're like, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm being a failure as a teacher. So it's so easy to be compared um, as to your own practice. But as they say, the best PD is down the corridor. But I say it's down the corridor, open your phone, and then jump on the teacher gram. You can learn so much on there. And you just need to make sure that everything you do see is evidence-based. Just like we tell the kids when they research, we want to from a reputable source. And Wikipedia isn't always the best source to get your information from. So uh, yeah, I absolutely love the teacher gram. But yeah, you have to be mindful of when to interact with it. As I said before, you do an amazing job. I love seeing everything that you post and the amount of times you can yeah, get some great photos of the stuff that you're doing in your classroom, I think is awesome. So yeah, keep that up. I have learned heaps, like even just being, even though I'm teaching in prep, it's great to see some of the stuff you're doing as well in the five, six area. So I, as you said, it's great to be able to see and connect with people that you wouldn't normally get to connect with. I think it's been wonderful to be able to yeah, be involved in the teacher gram and see some of the great things that are happening. Yeah, I agree. Like, and then adding on to yours as well, like, I feel like I have so many other colleagues to always talk to. If you're at a small school, especially who don't, there aren't as many um, teachers in your year level and you know someone who teaches the same year level as you or close to you or not even the same year level, you can always ask them for advice or tips and tricks. Like if you need to support a student who's maybe not at level, you can then go to a page, I guess, that you've grown fond of or you've built a connection with online and reach out for help because us teachers we're always so giving we always just we have that in us to always want to help people so I yeah absolutely love it and I guess yeah I've made so many other friends on here as well and been able to get into contact with you so I guess I, I see more positives than negatives from it now absolutely and do you want to do a little shout out to your Instagram page oh sure yeah so if you're listening Mr Layton's underscore little learners uh, you can see my day-to-day -day life if I am on it on that day. Uh, otherwise, definitely see what I get up to on the weekends. Um, otherwise, some cool tips, tricks, resources that I do in the 5-6 area. No, beautiful. Couldn't uh, couldn't push to go and follow anymore. I think it's a great space. So keep up the awesome job you're doing there, Mitch. Cheers. Appreciate it. And then I know you're a huge advocate for Canberra education. I love it as well. So for teachers who don't know, why is this one of your favourite kind of online resources? I just love how user-friendly it is and how you can use it with the kids as well. I know we do a lot of our publishing now on Canva and the kids absolutely love it. It's just so easy to drag. It's like a combination of Microsoft Word, Excel and PowerPoint. Like it's just all in one and it's... So I guess realistic and modern in what 
second doing it. All students have finished writing a biography and they all chose to publish it on Canva. And it's then so easy to connect with your Google Classroom or just they can share that link and they send it to me, the teacher. I can give them feedback and they can go back and look at it. So I absolutely love it for an educational purpose. But then if you're wanting to get into that content creation or if you're wanting to like jazz up a worksheet, it's so easy to do that as well. And there's accounts you can follow like the Education Resource Hub. They provide a wide variety of resources based on like um, parts of speech or vocab worksheets or uh, mass worksheets, or they even have like differentiated texts or passages. So I love how it's just so accessible to all teachers, no matter your skill level on digital tech or your even your art level i wouldn't call myself a very creative um arts person i'm creative in other ways more sort of performing arts than visual arts but i it's a teacher landmine so definitely get onto it and it's free as well you just got to sign up with your education account so definitely um if you haven't already get onto it yeah no i uh used to use powerpoint all the time to create everything but no i just do everything on Canva Education now, I think it's absolutely fantastic. It's so easy to use, as you're saying. And yeah, sign up and then you, it's free and you get to, it to use everything and everything's there for you. It's so simple and so easy to use. Yeah, absolutely. And even like the simple features are like, if you're wanting to insert a photo and remove the background, like you can even do like background removers. Now, obviously with AI, they've got their magic tool where they you can implement AI into there as well. So it's... Yeah, they just keep on getting better and better. I think one day I'd love to be like on the Canva education background and work for them and keep helping teachers and pump out resources one day. So yeah, no, very cool. Get onto it if you're not. Yeah, love that. And then, have you got any other resources, books, or online tools that you think are a must in the upper primary area? Oh, so many. I've what I started to do is definitely go more digital because I you just lose everything over the years or you're like, Oh, I'll, I'll come back to that in four years time. You're never coming back to that in four years time. Let's be real. So I've made like a little resource Bible over the years on like a Google sheet with like all different domains. And I think it's really useful because you can always go back to it. Like, Oh, was that resource? Oh, I'll put the link in that sheet. So something you should probably consider doing. I think if people are always keeping their hard copy, maybe move more, to sort of that digital version but for me books I guess my main resource like mentor text in literacy I love a good Sean Tan book it just amazing uh Philip Bunting was always incredible um, I get a lot of my things from Auslit teacher she has a massive list of mentor texts I know a lot of us teachers draw from that list so thank you so much I love the Little People Big Dream series. It's just so good when you're doing sort of that biographical unit, which is what we've been currently on. Um, but I know the Reading Science in Schools Facebook page, they've released a bunch of mentor texts that if you haven't already joined, I would re definitely recommend on the Facebook page that link your integrated unit or whatever that sort of science has unit that you're focusing on with mentor text that you can easily implement into your reading writing sessions so yeah as a I guess a literacy point of view they're my go-to to find a mentor text for maths I'm a massive lover of any sort of manipulative 
But if you don't have, I guess, the funds or if you don't have access to those manipulatives, there's always virtual manipulatives that are just as good. So my go to a Mathagon, that's a bit more for the upper year levels, or Toy Theatre, that's a really good one to use. But if you're looking for open-ended problem-solving tasks, there's a great program you can use, which is a subscription called Mass 300. It's that very inquisitive sort of approach to teaching maths. But there's other free open-ended uh, maths websites such as Resolve, uh, Mav, Enrich, uh, G. Fletchy provides like a three-step problem. So it might show you a uh, tank being filled with water and the next one will be like, some cubes being filled in there. And the question is like, what do you think the capacity is? That's like a whole very scaffolded approach. So G Fletchy's website is an awesome one. Uh, which one doesn't belong is a really fun one to, as a warm up. And then slow reveal graphs is a really cool way to sort of teach statistics unit um, when you're doing that. Yeah, beautiful. Love that list. I know I was kind of in my head ticking ticking away some of the ones I even use in the prep area as well. That's fantastic. I'll put a lot of those into the show notes as well so people can click on those if they want to check those out as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the links as well. So you can maybe some time if you don't use it. I'll, I'll send you my little Bible. And there's so, so many, like, it's it just blows my mind, like, the resources that us teachers actually have. And I make now a really conscious sort of effort to go to those sort of websites now, even like other literacy websites, like Once Upon a Picture, they have really good, or New York Times uh, pictures, they have like for your quick rides or your story prompts. And another one that I love is Vooks. It's like the interactive read alouds. So there's so, there's so many out there that can help support you. But I'll quickly mention as well, someone or Jennifer Cerevello, her books on reading strategies and writing strategies has been like my Bible this year. So if you don't, or if you haven't purchased those books, I definitely recommend it's helped scaffold and put into place sort of my sequences of learning in literacy this year. So definitely um, check out her work. I can't recommend yeah, her books enough. Yeah, excellent. No, thank you so much for sharing all those resources, no books and online tools. That's amazing. And I guess it kind of fits in nicely for my next question. I said, like, and you've been talking about this. I know you're a teacher who loves to learn and develop and continue to improve as a teacher. And you were talking about this before. What do you think the importance of being open and taking on feedback and the ability to change your teaching styles or strategies as you go? It's so critical. I, If you, I guess, value student learning, I think it's a hard pill to swallow when you need to see what you did was wrong or you have to like, all right, that was terrible. I cannot do that again. It's a very hard pill to swallow, but it's so impactful to change your practice along the way. Like the way I was four years ago is completely different to how I am now. And I just can't wait to see what I will be in five, 10 years time. So I guess always looking out for that next best book on teaching pedagogy or practice or the best potty to have listened to on your drive or even the PDs to attend. 
But if you, I guess, aren't fortunate enough to have that support in funds to attend PDs, there's so many free PLs that you can jump on, like Five from Five. They do some amazing PLs. Think Forward Educators, they do phenomenal PLs there, and they're all non-for-profit, um, and they just want to help teachers improve their practice. So it's, yeah, and as I mentioned before, um, the Facebook group Reading Science in Schools, they have so many daily articles, and sometimes I, I open up my Facebook every time, and this is a new one. So it stops me from getting into Facebook sometimes. I'm like, I actually, I'm going to take a break. Like, my brain is going to explode. But, yeah, it's important to love the process of teaching something wrong or poorly and then correcting it so you know that you're doing better every day. Yeah, no, and I can see that that's the way you go about your teaching and I can see that through your Instagram page and when we've been chatting along the way as well, you're someone who always wants to prove, get better. I guess very similar to how I approach how I go about it and I always pump up with the kids about the importance of making mistakes and learning through mistakes and 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 I, as you were talking about before, like I acknowledge when I've made a mistake and said, well, that's fine, that's, that's part of the learning journey that we're on. So I think that's awesome that you have that approach to your teaching as well. Yeah. I just, I love the learning pit, like just consistently referring, I think it's by James Nottingham, if I'm correct. Um, but yeah, the learning pit and how their character goes through that um, journey of, you can be at the bottom of the pit, but there's someone there to help pull you out, or you can be that someone yourself to pull yourself out and just keep going. So yeah, it's, it's a good one. Good visual to use. Yeah, excellent. And then so we were talking about this before as well. So you're a teacher by day and then a yoga instructor by night. How do you fit everything in, especially being so busy as a teacher as well? And then as you were talking about doing all your readings and all that stuff as well, how do you fit everything in? Yeah, I think I'm lucky in the sense that I enjoy like reading about education, reading about learning on the side. I'm reading a book at the moment by Selena Fisk around how to engage students in their data. Um, so I'm very conscious though of when I feel like I'm absolutely zero in my cup of zero battery. So I won't go to those sort of books or I won't open up for a bit just so I can recharge. But I don't, I don't know. I just, if I find that if you enjoy something, you make space and energy for those things to fill your cup and some weeks it's hard like and then you're just like why am I doing this why am I absolutely spending myself and I'm sure you're the same when you want to smash out some podcasts on a regular basis because people know and like me I love listening to them on my half hour commute to work so you probably feel that sort of pressure and I think if it's something that you really enjoy it gives that sort of fulfillment inside of you and then you're able to shine in another sort of light. And for me, when I get to obviously see kids learn new things and I go into the hot yoga room or hot uh, Pilates reformer studio, and I get to teach people how to sort of feel better in their bodies or create um, a great mind to body connection. It's that same sort of feeling you get. And I guess for me, yeah, that fills up my cup, seeing people progress. It's really rewarding to me. Yeah, excellent. No, good on you for doing it. I think, yeah, credit to you. I think it's amazing that you can fit everything in, but I know how busy you would be. I feel, as you were saying before, I do feel the same kind of thing sometimes when I'm under the pump trying to edit a pod and try and get it out on time. But I also like being busy. I don't like just doing nothing. So I think you've got the similar kind of personality there as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think organization is key. Like uh, my partner and I have just made a shared calendar so like we can like block in sort of things in advance. We don't have to worry about checking things off. I think that it's a massive sort of bonus. If you do have other commitments, you have to make time for the things that bring you joy and you have to make time that you can prepare for those things as well. So if you feel like you're absolutely you're that duck where your feet are like going full blast under that water, but you look really calm at the top, then you're good. <laughs> Love it. And then importance of having something outside of school. So I know you're pretty into your fitness and everything like that. And that ability to be able to switch off to assist you in your well-being as well. Yeah. Like tonight after school, after meetings, race, went to the gym, smashed in, I came on here. I think during the day because it's so busy you don't realize sort of how much you do until you stop getting to bed you're like whoa I accomplished so much and I think that in itself is such a great intrinsic feeling but the statement that always sticks for me is when I go and teach uh, yoga or pilates I was having a conversation with my print around obviously having that second job and she mentioned that if you're able to find a passion outside of teaching and doesn't affect your in-classroom, which you said doesn't, you go and do that because you're going to be a much happier and better person because you can fill up your own cup, as they say, and, and that can assist your well-being because you're going to be a positive person, which means you're going to be positive in the classroom, which you're going to see a positive kids. So it's that massive domino effect. And you just have to find that balance between, I guess, that teacher you and the just you, so for me, like who is teaching Mitch and then who is Mitch? And I think if you can find that nice balance, it's really powerful. Yeah, excellent. And then have you got any goals and aims for the future coming up? I guess natural progressions would be like into a specialist role. I'd love to focus on curriculum instruction, then potentially AP. But I think I would miss the classroom way too much. So I, I, don't, I don't know if I could ever, unless it sort of fell into my lap, I'd probably take it. But to me, if I'm able to have that mix where I can help teachers focus on what they should be implementing and then help guide them and then also be in the classroom as well so I don't lose touch with what's happening on the battlefield per se, that would be really interesting. Or even one day work in the department to help other schools. I know there's so many opportunities with the Department of Education that you can still utilise the skills you've learned in the classroom elsewhere. But if I was to even leave teaching, it would probably be something, yeah, in the fitness industry. But for now, that next sort of step, I guess, yeah, focusing on that curriculum instruction in that sort of specialist role. Yeah, excellent. Love that. And then if anyone wants to get in contact with you, Mitch, how can they go about getting in contact? Uh, so Mr. Latent underscore Little Learners on Insta. Um, that's as probably far as you get because I'm no good. I tried Twitter, couldn't keep up with that. Threads last of the day so tiktok i've tried here and there i'm so sporadic on that i just keep it simple insert is the only way to go for me <laughs> or sign up a pa or something just to do the rest of it for you i've definitely thought about it many a times um because there's no way yeah i'd be able to do both because it is too overwhelming <laughs> love it and then what's one teaching resource you couldn't live without Ooh. I love a good book. I like they're so underrated, a good book. But if it wasn't a book, either anger chart paper and permanent markers, I think 
you can do so much with those and maybe some post-it notes. So <laughs> those four things, I guess, are the uh, resources I wouldn't be able to live without. Yeah, awesome. Fantastic. And before we finish up today, Mitch, are you happy to play a little game to finish with? Yeah, go for it. Always competitive. I know as a sports teacher and I at school, when there's always a uh, staff PL and there's some sort of competition, we look at each other ready to go. So <laughs> go for it. How good. So this is called Todd Stock Exchange. So you can either buy it, hold it or sell it. So I'll say a word and you can either buy it, you get around it, hold it, you're unsure or sell it. You're not getting around it at all. All right, go for it. First one is a staff meeting, buy, hold, sell. Hold. I think is some definitely worth it. Some I'll see it in an email. Yep, with you there. Yard duty, buy, hold, sell. I love it. I'll buy it. It's good. I guess I, I see the positives on it. I get to interact with some kids. I'll play some soccer maybe. I get to walk around, get my step count up. If it's a good day, nice and sunny, put the sunglasses on, get a little tan. I'm all for yard duty. Yeah, I got around it today. It was a nice sunny day in Bendigo. So I was I was really getting around the sun on the back today. That was great. Yes, absolutely. The only thing I would get rid of is when I get to the car with my high vis on because I've forgotten to take it off all day. That's the only thing I would get rid of. <laughs> Love that. Uh, what about a chisel tip whiteboard marker? Buy, hold, sell? Yeah, I'll buy it. I, I like them. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> answer. Uh, professional learning, buy, hold, sell? Absolute buy. Couldn't, yeah, couldn't agree with that statement anymore. Excellent. What about tin tuna in the staff room? Buy, hold, sell? I buy it because I am that person. I am so sorry to everyone in there, but it's such good protein in the tin. <laughs> I'm like, I can't get past that. And it's such an easy meal. So sorry, not sorry, but absolute buy. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Uh, what about a wet day timetable? Buy, hold, sell? Sell. Wouldn't think of anything worse. Get out of here, wet weather. Yeah, no good. What about hoarding coffee cups in your classroom and then bring them back to like the staff room on a Friday? Nah, Sal. <laughs> get, get, be organised. You you go to the staff room, it's probably a toilet near there. So when you go to that toilet, you take the cups. <laughs> yeah, excellent. And the last one is Instagram, the teacher gram. Buy, hold, sell. Yeah, buy. 100%. If you're not on it, get on it. Have a little wonder. Be safe with yourself. Um, make sure you're in the right space, but you'll learn and grow so much from all the other amazing educators out there because we are one of a kind. So go for it. Excellent. Great answer. Uh, Mitch, I'm going to give you the win there. You answered those very, very well. So uh, awesome job there. Well done. I might, I might do it with the sports teacher tomorrow. See, see how she goes uh, under the pressure. <laughs> Love that. Uh, and that is actually the end of the podcast, Mitch. So I just want to say thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. It was wonderful having a chat and I just can see your passion uh, for teaching and wanting to improve and get better, but also the passion to help your kids improve and get better and achieve their goals and everything. So keep up the awesome work, mate. I love seeing all the stuff you've been posting on, on Instagram and that's how we got to kind of meet and chat. So yeah, keep up the amazing work you're doing and I can see you achieving a lot of those goals and aims you mentioned. So I can see your passion and your drive to yeah, continue to get better. So yeah, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast today. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. As Although we teach different year levels, I take just as much from you um, as I'm sure other people do as well. So it's always good to speak to another fellow um, educator because we're all, I guess, in it for the same reason and we love sharing our knowledge with each other. So thank you for letting me share on this platform.
No, it was awesome having you on. And now I can't wait to see uh, what you keep doing for the rest of the year. Yes. Awesome. Thanks, Mitch. And that is the end of the 47th episode of the Toddcast, the Teacher Podcast. It was amazing having Mitch come on today and sharing his teaching journey, as well as all the amazing things he's doing in the 5-6 area and all the resources, books, online tools that he suggested in the upper primary area as well. If you haven't already, make sure you go and check out Mitch's Instagram page and give it a follow. He shares so many wonderful and amazing things. And I cannot wait for you to join me in a couple of weeks' time for the next episode of the Toddcast. See you later.